God has designed you for a unique purpose. Get equipped for God's call with a degree from Clark Summit University. Choose from undergraduate and master's degrees, available completely online in programs like business, counseling, Bible, and education. For some programs, it's possible to earn your degree in as little as two years, or you can complete the degree you previously started. See if you qualify for a tuition discount. Answer God's call on your life and become a Christ-centered, career-ready graduate. Go to clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. That's clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions. The ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. It's the Science Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. Would you like to meet an acting icon? Well, he's here with us right now, an actor and a gentleman. His book, Louis Gossett Jr. You know that name. He's the, the best in the business. He's going to share his life with us. And welcome to the program. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be there. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. How do, where do we start? Because your book is fascinating. You take us through this whole journey of your life. Uh, instantly, we think of Sergeant Foley. That's what comes to mind. And it hurts every time I watch that with the way you beat up on Richard Gere. In the book, you mentioned that you try to stay away from bars when that came out because people would try to challenge your toughness and see, was that really Hollywood? But that was such an iconic movie. Um, you know, can you tell us a little bit of it? Do you think about the movie or is it just is it ancient history to you or is it something that well, it's, it's something that's a highlight of my life? I like my thing, but my all the credit, all the, the Oscar should really go to the Marines because they made sure that it was not a Hollywood movie about Marines. That's right. I went down to basic training in San Diego 
MCRD, it's called Marine Corps Recruitment Division, where all the DIs are trained. So I went through the, the training. And then uh, I came up to the set with one of the Marines. So I was a Marine for the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And the Marines did not want a Hollywood ending or a Hollywood depiction. So they made sure that I was a Marine. And they made sure, the best thing they did, they made sure that all the actors there were recruits. Really? None of the Hollywood egos would, would, could, could last in that movie because Marines would not allow it. Well, I understand you talk about being serious. That first, I understand, according to your book, you know, there was laughter on the set and then you would, you know. Uh, ber- they sent me away. I don't know what they did, but when I came back, there was no laughter. There was no, <laughs> you were staying in a, a nice condo, keeping your distance. And, uh, yeah. and so because they wanted to make sure that you were, you know, correctly in- intimidating. That just stays, if you look at just comments on YouTube about that film. Uh, what a you really were the star of that film. I mean, I know it said Richard Gere, but you were the star. Well, that's that, that's that's God and us. That's God and and and, uh, and Taylor Hackford. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll talk more about it, of course. But uh, you cement the beginning as far as your life, the foundation of it. Of course, uh, racism and against racism. As far as that's important in your life, you have a foundation. Eracism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll get into that, but it seems like, was it your great-grandmother or your, your grandmother that had such an indelible impact on your life? My, my great-grandmother, I have a photograph of me and her, yes. and every problem, I look at it, and, and I, make, I bring a little giggle in people. She only lied to me one time. <laughs> when was that? No, she, 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 when, when I did something bad, she say, <laughs> this is, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. But I mean, it seems like she made such an impact in your life as far yeah, as yeah. having foundations yeah. that lasted. And you seem to have leaned on them when times got tough in Hollywood. Well, that's the way it used to be. You know, I'm a, a, a post-depression child. And there's certain key neighborhoods in the United States after the depression, that generation. We needed each other desperately. Uh, so uh, when I come home from school at dinner time, uh, everybody was, was everybody was poor, and we had to rely on other things. Uh, the broomstick handle was a bat, and the girls had chalk and rope. <laughs> and if my parents were not home, I could smell my way around the world. I could go to the next door and get some uh, capilta fish, or next door and get some lasagna, or some corned beef and cabbage, or menudo, or lasagna. It depends on who was home. That was quite a melting pot. You mentioned that you were like an honorary Jew in Brooklyn, New York, and that you got along so well and understood that, you know, the Jewish culture, having friends all through your life. Um, I found that kind of interesting. Well, it was something that I got bored with being in the classroom with the Irish substitute school teacher. <laughs> and all my friends were down outside the window playing basketball and football and stuff. So I started taking the Jewish holiday off also. <laughs> so after the holidays, I'd go up there and the, the teacher would say, you were absent yesterday. I said, yes, I know. Then she'd say, well, that was a Jewish holiday. Yes, I know. She said, but you're not Jewish. I said, I know. But I'm in sympathy with the movement. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, and you probably got away with it, right? I mean. Yeah, there wasn't anything to learn with the substitute teacher. She didn't know what we were doing. And it was a boring school day. So I just started playing basketball with my friends. But having in common as far as the close uh, heritage, if you will, you know, and, and a history to the heritage. Of course, you will talk about you know, the African-American heritage that you have uh, wrapped around and uh, embraced and studied. Uh, and very much, I guess, you can relate to the Jewish heritage that way uh, as well and, um, and had a lot of good friends that way. But what a melting pot growing up in, in Brooklyn, New York, and at 17 years old, there you are on stage on Broadway, a prodigy. 
Yeah, well, I've come to a conclusion about being African-American or people doing Italian-American or, or Jewish-American. Jewish I, <laughs> uh, I think what it, what it is has to be now is uh, the reverse. I'm an American-African. Yes. Because we need the country to identify for us all and serve us all. So that is the most patriotic thing in America to show by example how all these different cultures can successfully combine for our mutual salvation. Yes, that's right. I mean, far away from that right now. Yeah, we are. And that has been a lifelong impact for you. It's a lifelong quest, as far as you say, the greatest treasure we have is our children and Mm -hmm. bringing them up and uh, and understanding the history. One thing better, one generation at a time, better than it was before. What's interesting is that you started your life, I mean, you really just took off as an actor. I mean, and the fact that also you could have played professional basketball, but acting was your calling. And it things took off for you, you know, which usually doesn't happen for people in acting. They have to be, it did for you. Um, but then you start the book with uh, uh, really the, the graphic nature of racism, where you yes. were a beautiful car, you're on set, and your life couldn't have been better. And all of a sudden, a police officer pulls you over, and a few of them did. And well, that was the first time with Lou Wasserman from Universal sent for me to play this leading role in a, in a thing called Companions in Nightmare, the very first movie of the week. TWA Airlines, and put me in, in first class. That's when he used to, to, to carve the the, the, the the filet mignon at your table. Right. It was really good. And then they thought I was an African diplomat. They didn't think I was anybody else. <laughs> and I landed in LAX with a with the the car comes up, and I'm the first one off the plane. And they put me into the Beverly Hills Hotel in the presidential suite. Beautiful. And they said you had a, a, a car, a rental car, waiting for you. And that's about a 20-minute drive from the, from the Beverly Hills Hotel to Hertz Renegar. It was Hertz, I believe. And it was a Ford Fairlane Galaxy 500, you know, the hardtop convertible. Oh, yeah. And it was beautiful. I'm in seventh heaven driving down Sunset back to the hotel. With a, it's a, it was white, eggshell white with a red interior. I was playing Sam Cooke music as loud as I possibly could. It took me four and a half hours to get back to the hotel because I met every policeman in the neighborhood. So I, I came back a little upset, and the hotel manager said, what happened? And I told him, he said, well, that's the way some of the police are. So he gives me a, a portfolio of movie stars' home. Since this Clark Gable had a place over there, and Greer Garson over there, et cetera. So while I was walking about 8.30 at night, looking at their homes, the police came and handcuffed me to a tree for three hours. Mm. That was my first 24 hours in Hollywood. So I, mean, I, called, I called my agent. I called my, my mother and father. And my father says, I'll be right there. Now, he's in Coney Island. I'm in Beverly Hills. He can't be right there. <laughs> That's a good dad, though. Dad's saying that, yeah. And then uh, I called my, my best friend, my agent, Ed Bondi. He said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go back to the hotel, and I'm going to get picked up and go to work. He says, That's what I expected you to do. <laughs> that was my first 24 hours. But there's so much that you've had to overcome. And, and you know, sometimes when you look at the reviews of the book and people want you to just talk Oscars, glitz, glam, you know, the, an officer and a gentleman. But you start with, with reality as far as how you were brought up, your life, how it was, uh, you know, you became Louis Gossett Jr. And, uh, but even though you're able to rationalize it in the book, what had happened, uh, it seems, though, that that moment made an impression on you. And, and it, was it something that you had to... I mean, how bad was that impression throughout your life? Or uh, was it just something you brushed off or, or did it leave a deeper scar than, than you'd like to believe? It, it leave a, a deep enough scar. But the thing that saved me was what my great-grandmother told me, that God, is, God uh, is in charge all of the time. He was there before you got here. He was there when, while you're here and he's there when you're gone. 
So you may as well calm down and listen to his instructions. Yes. So I had to had to do a lot of praying, a lot of taking deep breaths. And after a long uh, period, that's over 60 years now, I've come up with the conclusion that none, no human being is in charge of this planet. That's right. I think we have to uh, be out of the driver's seat. Our job, even if it's negative or positive, we're never going to be in charge. So we need to relinqu relinquish all of that power and all of that stuff for uh, the, the pure lesson on a daily basis. So my, my pure lesson, even now, today at 83, is just like my childhood. We don't have to be poor and homeless anymore, but uh, just like it was during the poor times, uh, is uh, we have to do things for the benefit of the whole neighborhood, for the benefit of the whole family, and for the benefit of the whole country, and the benefit of the whole world. It's one people. And our job is the salvation of the planet. And we're busy doing other things. And if we, if we continue, we're like, we're all in a 747 airplane, you know, it's at 30,000 feet. It's about to crash. Definitely mm. going to. But the people inside are still fighting over who's going to be in first class. Yeah, uh, good point. With, with who's going to have filet mignon or who's not? <laughs> but, no, what are you going to do when the plane crashes? You can't. That's true. I mean, and it's not taken care of us. And it's our job to keep it healthy. So it takes care of us. The fact that you were the first African-American or American-African, I should say, you know, to win an Academy Award, an Oscar. I mean, and it was way before anybody else. Nobody could deny this performance. And they're talking about it to this day. And so that's that's, inev that's in inevitable and it's indelible to make that an artistic com contribution to, to my craft. And that's God doing that. He kept the, the center. Whatever happened to me in life, I'm so grateful that the center was not touched. Uh, but what an in incredible uh, redeeming story, the fact that you, you would take people's lives in the Marines and the whole idea is to replace their identity. And, and make them better. And make them better. And make that and better. Marines do. They get those young men and they take care of all of their personal things and throw it out the window and create from scratch a better man and also a better woman these days. Yeah, that's right. It's hard to tell that it was a performance, though. I mean, it really seems like that man exists. And sometimes in your other performances, I almost feel like Sergeant Foley is trying to come out, like with the, in the church where you play the Catholic <laughs> you know, It depends on what the movie is. It, it, you have to do what, what is demanded of you from the script. Yes, that's right. Um, I mean, your book covers everything from the beginning and uh, you know, talking about your family growing up. And where, where areas do you like to, to focus on now? 83 and uh, uh, incredible life. You know, your book. Just a fantastic. I, I, mean, I want to say an officer and a gentleman, but it's an actor and a gentleman, the name of the book. Where do you, where do you like to focus on your time nowadays? My time is focused on young people. And they seem to put their cell phones away and listen about uh, those people fighting for their freedom. They have more than they think they have. And, and uh, there's certain things that they have to, they were not taught because the generation before was not evolved enough. So our job is to have the impetus to, uh, purify ourselves through the love of God. Uh, but the same thing happens to make this planet for them better than it is today. They're quite brilliant young people around this globe. And I have, and so my, my focus is on my communication as an elder to young people, not black people, not black kids, but kids. And it seems to be working. I'm making a transition. Sometimes awkward because I've acted so long, but as an elder, which is what uh, natural to all of us, Grandpa doesn't get in, get in his wheelchair and quiet looking out in the ball game. There's some things he has to do when asked.
Well, I may be half your age, if you will, but I would like your genes. You don't seem to age very often. You, you seem, you have this face that remains the same. And do you get that a lot? People say it's, yeah. it's remarkable. There's it's an, an energy that does not come from me. I have to make myself available physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Those are the three important things for us. And if we get them clean and pure, then we can be best receptive of God's message. Your great-grandma was like that, that she lived, I think it was 115. Well, in a photograph of 115, she died at the age of 117. You're going to be around for a while. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, could we set the the record straight on something? And I just wanted to ask, in the movie, of course, an officer and a gentleman, uh, you you mentioned in the book that these scenes were, were scenes that you both, Richard Gere and yourself, we're very much prepared to do as far as uh, when it comes to karate and, uh, and yeah, we would on a daily basis. You hurt him and he hurt you, but uh, a little uh, bit, but not much. We would rehearse it every day. We did that fight almost near the end of the movie, so we we could live if we made a mistake. <laughs> but we had a great trainer. His name is Jason Randall, and I owe him a great deal. But I came with the, with some of the karate knowledge from. Uh, uh, working uh, for the military between Korea and Vietnam. They had to do all the basic training all over again after Korea. They had the brainwashing incidents and everything else. So they had to wipe the slate clean and, and do all the stuff for the, uh, for the infantry, for the uh, jump, for jump school, for the frogmen. All of those basic training has to be reshot, and I shot them all. And that's when I qualified for my, my, uh, my, my third-degree taekwondo belt. I, don't I didn't do too much after that, but I stayed in modest, <laughs> modest shape. I was. I would say that's incredible. Both of you, incredible shape. You and Richard Gere. And uh, the only reason I ask is sometimes in some of these uh, interviews, you know, he'll say that he hit you once in the stomach, and you said, "Okay, that's it." And uh, you were on the phone making a call to have, you know, a, a double fill the the role. And uh, it doesn't sound like that from your book. It sounds like you did all the work. I did all the work. The only thing I did not do was that slow motion thing at the beginning when I did the karate scene. That was someone else. The classic, their classic moves were, were uh, better than I could do. Well, let's be honest. That last move was, it was a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> it still hurts watching it. <laughs> yeah, but he did that too. He did that. I did mine and he did the same thing. Yes. I don't know which one he used, which was best. But, they both, but he had uh, protection. It, do people ask you that all the time to be him, though, to be Sergeant Foley? I mean, it's sometimes, you know how fans are. They can't get it out of their head. They believe he's a real person. He's alive today. And, well, I have to uh, let them do that. i got to stay humble. <laughs> I must stay humble. Yeah, that's, so, that's true. And that broken bones by somebody who had new karate better than me. Yeah. And that's what it's about. You have a lot of work. A, a whole, you know, you kept working. And uh, if we don't mind, you know, you talked about in your book, of course, the drug addiction and uh, yes. it was cocaine and alcohol. But um, it seemed like there was, you know, how can I say this? You became someone who cared about things eventually that were much greater than yourself. I mean, you were always a professional. That's the re- return to your, your sobriety, your sanity. Uh, I, I, joined the, I joined the in crowd and that's what the in crowd did. And when I was a child, the in crowd were my uncles and their friends, and they did the same thing. So I, I had in my mind, and I didn't know it, the set that once I make it, I'm going to be in the in crowd. It didn't fit me, but, I, but by the time I realized it didn't fit me, I had, a, I had a disease. So in taking rid of that disease, you've got to go to these meetings, and you've got to restart your life. And it's, it's a very ironic thing that's happening that now that I'm sober, and it's, it's a return to uh, normal. It's a, it's a restoration to normalcy. 
that a lot of society is not normal themselves. That's right. I, I have my hand raised. Yeah, well, but so, but now we become um, creatures of, of attraction because it's, it's good and people want to be like it. And it's, uh, but uh, once again, we can't make those emotional or angry mistakes, uh, mistakes of anger or, or resentment because that makes, that gives us the cancer. It gives us the high blood pressure. And, and, and dependent people who are, who are targeting our anger to, they get, a, they get away for nothing. But they can beat everybody but God. Yes, that's right. And you did a lot of Christian films. Yeah. You, had, you want to make your mom proud. You mentioned that. Uh, doing Christian films. And we, we need more actors like you, believe me, in Christian films yeah. who can act. I got a few out. A couple out. One's coming out. It's called The Reason, where I'm blind and I, got, I miraculously come, get my sight back when I fall down. And it's a couple others coming there seems to be something in um, in the way that you talk. Mm-hmm. There's a timing in it. There is a, it's like musical almost, the way that you tell, and it's and it's real life. I mean, it's just not just an officer and a gentleman. It's as you're doing right now. Uh, is that something that people noticed early on and your, your ability to, your timing and the way that you put words together? I guess so. I guess so. But now that, now in, in, in divine sobriety, if you remember in school, the teacher would teach, show this example of magnetism by taking metal shavings on one side of the paper and a magnet on the other. And wherever the magnet would move, the, the metal shavings would follow. And it's not unlike our growth when we become a program of attraction. We're like that magnet. And that's what happens when we get uh, into, into the light, if you want to call it that. Yes. And it's anything you ever tried. When you get out of the driver's seat and be humble and available for a divine message. That's our religion. And we need all of us on this planet to have something that we can't figure out, but we have to blindly believe. And the keys to the kingdom come when we are most receptive of the divine message on a daily basis. Was that something you were always searching for? I mean, in Hollywood, all the success and all the roles and accolades and and things like that. Sometimes you had mentioned that when you thought it would go even higher, the heights and the offers coming in that you thought, uh, and sometimes it didn't happen. Uh, it sounds like you became how can I, a philosophical man. Or you're, or have you always been a serious man? Not always. I know that I was always attracted to the in crowd, though. But I found a better in crowd. Do you teach acting at all too? I mean, is that something? I'm, to- I'm going to a semi-retirement to teach called professional application, and and I'm going to be speaking across this country because of uh, I have the opportunity to promote the stuff that's out there about what I'm talking to you about. Um, that we need each other most definitely, most definitely now, as opposed to before, because of uh, uh, we're we're at, we're at in in the uh, position of losing uh, the oceans. We 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 can control the oceans. We can take the plastic out of the oceans so the fish are fresh. We can control the weather. It's global warming. We know what to do, but we're busy trying to be in first place, and the mankind is in first place. It's going to take the combination of everybody. To save us us all, we need to make sure that the food is clean and fresh, the air is pure, and everybody is not hungry. Everybody gets fed. Everybody gets loved. And it's mankind. It's not white. It's not black. It's not Indian. It's it's mankind. And it's going to take mankind to save us all. You know, a lot of people, just so you know, they could be 83 years old, a Hollywood legend as yourself, and they could just go out off into the sunset, and you're looking at every day, and you have a lot of... uh, a lot of fuel there to make the world a better place. This is very inspiring for people because uh, you're only looking at who you can reach and it sounds like you're reaching a lot of people. Yeah, well, back in the childhood and, and way before that, when the people came from their societies, 
what they, they did bring with them is an intact family, an intact people. So what they did was for the benefit of all the family because they had no other choice. But that was the choice that we have to make today. So we have to uh, take better care, not for ourselves first, but for the, for, 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 for the whole, as they say in Brooklyn, for the whole mishpuka. <laughs> That's right. Was it Roots? I mean, the fact that you had an, an Emmy that you won for playing Fiddler in Roots, is yes. that what got you as far as the consciousness of being an African-American or American-African? I mean, that was uh, as good as it gets as far as uh, way, what a way to start your career and the impact that that TV series had. And an enormous impact. It was, it was, it was lightning, in, lightning in a bottle. It was wonderful. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Man, you go. You go to colleges. They're writing dissertations about that, uh, and you know that's all you have to say. You're, uh, you, you know, the the role that you had. I mean, it, it couldn't have been uh, more impactful. And uh, I get a sneaking suspicion that everybody has those moments. It depends on our what our emotional condition we're in when those moments come and how we interpret them. I think those fortunes come and go, but if we're in a mindset, we don't recognize them as they come. Of course, then we don't recognize them as they go. And sometimes there's a time in life when you start reflecting and you snap your fingers and I could have, would have, should have. Do you think and, about that often? I mean, you were quite reflective in your book, uh, An Actor and a Gentleman, of course, uh, your uh, memoir, biography. Do you think about how things uh, maybe could have been different or no? I always think about that, but there's a, something you do with that information. You put it in a closet and be grateful for what you have now. And you ask God to say, what's next? Well, there was a moment where there was a uh, an African American child who had no place to live. Uh huh. It's on the news, and uh, you know, we all say that we would do nice things if we were in a position like that. And uh, the newscaster asked, "What would you do if you could?" Well, I just I just would like a nice place to stay and some food to eat. Uh, you yeah. actually saw that, and you, you responded to that, uh, which I don't know who would do. Uh, to be quite frank, I mean, but you, you actually responded. Yeah, we watch the news and we, you know, isn't that terrible or isn't that sad? People have, well, you, how did you respond to that? Well, I was doing the, the, the marches with Jesse Jackson at the time. And uh, our partner was ABC News, Good Morning America. Uh, my friend David Hartman was, was in charge. And the on, on-site reporter was Ingrid Bergman's daughter. Her name was Pia Lindstrom. And she had gone to the major cities to see how many hungry and homeless children there were between the ages of three and 15. And that was quite a while ago. And then it was over a million. So he, she goes to St. Louis and she sneaks up behind this kid and she puts a microphone in his face and says, if you had a wish, what would it be? And he said, I want something to eat and someplace to stay. And during the investigation, he was one of those welfare children where there was a new child and a new husband and a check. Mm. So the, uh, the, there was a welfare scandal that it encouraged people to get another another wife, another another child, and another man. So he has eleven brothers and sisters, and I was coming to wow. make uh, to make a, a sort of fund with his name, so that children like him would have some place to stay, something to eat. That's all I wanted. When he walked into the hotel room, and I looked at him, I said, "You want to live with me?" And he said, "Yes." <laughs> now today, that young man, he's in his thirties, is a master chef. Wow, and I'm very proud of him. That is an incredible story. I mean, that is as touching and real as it gets, though. And now this is really, you know, your son, if you will. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you, did you ever think twice? Like, oh, shoot, what'd I do? <laughs> you know? I did it after I finished. I said, what did that just do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And uh, well, He's quite a young man. I love him a lot. There's something very expressive about you. 
Um, and obviously it, it uh, resonates on the screen and on the stage, but do you happen to know what it was that, that stood out about you, early success? Well, to, to, be, to, to be humorous, it was insanity. <laughs> but but uh, no, you have to have the courage for the people to see past your eyes. Yeah. So especially in cameras, when the camera really looks deeply into you, when they look, they can see something that, that there's, a, there's attraction. There's a, it's called a program of attraction. And I learned how to act through some contemporaries at the actor's studio, you know, the, uh, the James Deans and the Mullen Brandos. Mm -hmm. and so, and my teacher was from actor's studio, the late Frank Silvera. So I learned my, my technique from them and what it takes to, to, to do authentic moments. And that's what you kind of rely on today. Yeah, and you see them all through the movie, an officer and a gentleman. Uh, you can just, uh, there are tons of scene in the moment, of course, where you said to Richard Gere, mayonnaise. Uh, <laughs> was that improv or was that you? No, that came from the Marines. That came you had to give Marines. each one of those recruits uh, some kind of nickname, like Delacero or Delacera. That's right. And then, and then the girl with sugar britches. And, but you had to, had to give them their name so it, it took their, their, their egos and put it away. This may be a weird question, but can you, if you had to, would you be able to memorize most of those lines? If someone said, hey, you know, if they put you in the outfit once again, uh, you know, Sergeant Foley, could you, could you pretty much, how, how much could you retain? I, would, I wouldn't know until I tried. I hope someone's listening. <laughs> because, uh, you know. I'm trying to put a sequel together now, and it's really difficult. But we'll see. I can't, can't bank all my feelings on it. I can't move on you know <laughs> we haven't and moved on though. people have not moved on from that from that uh oscar-winning performance i mean well, there's just... some exciting things coming out there's a couple faith-based ones the, the the reason and then uh, i did one called the cuban which is coming out and and uh, a couple of other things coming out the, the foster boy that's a very big scandal about the foster children hmm. uh, there's enough coming and of course my miniseries at hbo you know so it's it's a uh, the plate is full, and I'm very grateful, very quietly grateful. Yeah, and you were recently on Hawaii Five O. Yeah, with with my my favorite singer Gladys Knight. Wow, who is now seventy five tomorrow? Really? I mean, you look great. Is is that uh, people tell you that? I mean, I, you have to work at this. Do you have a trainer? Do you are you working out? Because I yeah. see I've seen the way it fluctuate and the way that you look right now. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'm very lucky. Is the man who beat the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Lee? And I see him twice a week, and, and right now I'm in a, in a low energy mode, so I stay in the bed a little bit and I study and read and watch a little TV to give myself a break. But when they call me and I, I got to dress up and go, I'm gone. I'm ready. You're ready. Yeah, you are the consummate professional. It was kind of weird to read about like uh, things that you struggle with. It wasn't just uh, you know uh, uh, about with um, you know alcoholism and and cocaine addiction, but. Uh, among all things, to find out that you had um, a mold disease. So it was not mold, yeah, yeah. toxic mold in the house that you were living in. Yes, uh, we beat that, but uh, it almost beat me. But uh, once again, um, you find the right people to do it. I had the, whole, I had the whole house torn down and started from scratch. I'm, I'm a lot older, uh, obviously, than that young child. But I mean, you know, if I, if I only came to you, I would have I asked if, uh, if my wife and I could live with you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it sounds like you have a, a a wonderful life, and do you do you miss all that is in Hollywood? It, it was hard to find out in your book if it was. Uh, it seemed like absolute admiration and love for the craft, for the people, the and very intelligent people. But was it a love hate relationship? 
it was mostly mostly love, and I figured, now I've done what I can here. Let's see who else needs me. Where can I go to the next level? I was thinking about the universities. I'd done years, and and, uh, and so so it was there was a a, 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 a joy in my and a question. Maybe I should seek uh, uh, to be of service somewhere else. You're a an intelligent man and a man of substance, and uh, it's it's hard. Is it hard to get to know you or no? No, it's easy to get to know me. I'm all, I'm all, <laughs> there's nothing hidden, you know. You know, my great-grandmother said one other thing. She said, a hard head makes us off behind. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You still got it. You still got it. And, uh, and as far as what people do know about you, and if there's anything that uh, you might want to say, you think you know who Louis Gossett Jr. is, but you really don't know. What, what are some of the things that you would like them to know about you? That uh, what they see is what they get. Yes. But not be for years. And that's a lifetime of work to be transparent. It's nice to be transparent in a complex society, but it brings bad and good, but you still must remain transparent without attitude, without uh, revenge, even though there's been things wrong, wrong for me. Um, if I carry it in my system, I'm the one that gets hurt. It's like putting a gun to your head and saying, I'll show you. So we- it's, it appears. I get rid of it. Yeah, and we watch these performances, again, from Roots and Fiddler that you played, an Emmy and also an officer and a gentleman, uh, the first African-American to win an Oscar. And uh, do you ever watch your performances or no? Whenever I watch them, I always figure out something I could have done better. I'm a perfectionist. You sure are. And, and you mentioned in your book that you knew going in, you knew it, that you had to be the best. You had to be better than good in order to stand out. That was something yeah. that resonated in your book did open the door for others. So I'm very grateful for that. Yes. Well, we'll uh, leave with this is, uh, you know, Lewis Gossett Jr., who has, of course, his memoir, his book, an actor and a gentleman known for an officer and a gentleman and many others, of course, uh, including uh, with Roots playing Fiddler, getting an Emmy. And uh, one of your favorite lines, you say to say this three times, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. There is no such thing as impossible. And as Sergeant Foley, and any last words that you'd like to leave at the end of the <laughs> what would he say to, uh, to, uh, <laughs> to, end, to end the interview? I want your D-O-R. <laughs> <laughs> D, you have to say it, D-O-R. <laughs> D-O-R, say it, D-O-R. Drop on request. <laughs> oh, you were fantastic. That's just wonderful. Thank you for being on the program Thank and sharing your life with us. My pleasure. Send me a copy, please. I definitely will. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bairdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit vocalboothtogo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, 
To make you sound your best, thousands of satisfied Orlix customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Orlix enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Orlix.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.